Welcome to the Color and Chaos Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My name is Jonah Fair, and I'm coming to you from Macomb, Michigan. No matter what brings you here today, whether you have been a part of this podcast for a while or this is your first time, I just want to say welcome. Thank you so much for taking your time to be here today. I'm a firm believer that it's not by accident that you are here. And so here, let's pray together. Lord God, just thank you so much for this opportunity to be here yet again another week. Lord, I just pray that you move me to the side. Lord, may it be your words that are spoken. God, show me more of yourself. Teach me more of yourself. And Lord, I pray for those that are listening or watching this, Lord, that you will help them see even more just how much you truly care for them. Lord, you are present. You care Lord, there is nothing going on in our lives that you are absent from. Lord, you're in the middle of it all. Through all of the messiness, through all of our rebellion, through all of our brokenness, through all of our questions, doubts, fears, worries, concerns, Lord, you care about it all. And so, Lord, I just pray that each and every one of us, Lord, that we will bring all that we are to all that you are. And Lord, just grow us closer to you. May we have a deeper intimacy with you today. And at the end of the day, Lord, this is all for you. Just have your will and way through me, through us today. And it's in your name we pray and we surrender, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Some of the passages that I appreciate the most in the scripture are the passages that remind us that we don't have to have it all together. I feel like we all live in this world of just celebrities and pedestals. And at the end of the day, something that I'm so passionate about is this whole need for us as humans to truly be able to say, look, I don't have it all together. I know that I don't have it all together. They say that you preach the loudest, what you need to hear the most. I kind of say that a lot on this podcast, but I, I feel like that is so true. And I pray that one of the things that I preach the loudest through my life, through my actions, is that I am not the source of strength or beauty, but it is my God working through me. One of the passages in the scripture that I'm so thankful for is a moment that Paul had with the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, specifically in verse 7 through verse 10. And Paul has this moment where he just kind of lays out his hands, he stretches it out, and he just kind of puts himself down in, 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 in a humble posture and basically just tells the Corinthian church that, look, I am no different than you. I need Jesus just as much. And Paul, in this moment of humility and vulnerability and honesty, he shares with the Corinthian church a very personal, intimate look into his own weakness and his own need for Jesus. And this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. He says this, To keep me from becoming conceited because all of these surpassingly great revelations that the Lord has given me, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. 
That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul tells the Corinthian church that, look, I pray that my weaknesses point towards the source of my strength, and that is Jesus. And like Paul, I am no different. I was trying to think of a question to kind of open up this this episode today, and one of the questions that kind of came to my mind was, who are you when you wake up? Before the hair is combed, before you brush your teeth, before you put on makeup, or before whatever you do in order to present yourself to this world that you are either attractive or approachable or whatever you desire the world to see you as. Before you do any of that, when you're at your most vulnerable state, when you wake up in the morning and in those moments of, of just rawness, who are you? Who are you? Not who are you that you want others to see or think of you as, but who are you when you wake up in the morning? I know for me, who I am when I wake up in the morning is on full display. I live alone, and part of living alone is that you see these tendencies within yourself that you are just like, where did that come from? You know, why do I do this or that? And you see things about yourself that you're just like, man, I don't really like that about myself. I want to change that. I want to do better. And I know for me that every day I see things within myself that I'm just like, God, help me with that. I don't want to do that. And I know that I'm not the only one with that, that each and every one of us, we have these weaknesses that we know is there, but we don't want other people to see. Last week, I had a moment where I was face-to-face with my own brokenness. For those that know me, know that I'm a student pastor at a local church here in the McComb, Michigan area, and it's such an honor and privilege to be able to walk alongside students and families and help them be able to, to be all that the Lord has created them to be. But I had a moment where I was heading into the office on a Thursday where I was looking over my schedule for that day and for everything coming up on that Sunday. And even though I knew that there was an event planned that specific day, I got the times confused within my head of when that event was supposed to be. So every Thursday during the summer, I have an event planned for the students to be able to stay active throughout the summer. But this specific Thursday, the time wasn't 12 to 3 like all the other Thursdays. The time was 7 to 9.30. And I failed to see the difference within this time earlier in the week. And all of a sudden, I find myself the 11th hour, basically, And I have nobody planned to be able to be a leader for this time. I saw the sign-up sheet, and I saw that there were students that were signed up to attend this event. And normally, if, if there was no leaders that were signed up, it would totally be fine because I could be able to attend this event. And any other Thursday, I would have been able to, from 12 to 3, I, I would have been able to be there at the event and everything would have been good. But because the time for, was from 7 to 9.30, I had another commitment during that same time elsewhere. 
And so I couldn't be there. I didn't have any leaders there. I have students signed up to be there. And so as a result of being face-to-face with the own reality that I dropped the ball, I did what many of us would do. And inside my head, I panicked and I started thinking, okay, how can I fix this? How can I make this be able to still happen that I don't cancel the event, but that we can still make this happen? I go into the fix it mode as as my personality is. And so I started just messaging my leaders uh, again, saying, hey, I know you know about this event, but is there any way if anything has changed that you can attend this event now? And so the leaders were kind of getting back to me and some of them didn't really know if they could or not. And so I was just like, oh no, this is not good. I thought the next solution was, okay, maybe I can ask some parents of students that are attending the event if they would be willing to kind of chaperone it for a little bit until I get done with the commitment that I had made previously and that I can get over there. But I just need somebody to kind of chaperone for an hour or so until I can get there. I was just kind of like racking my head and so I reached out to some parents and there was two parents that replied that they would be able to chaperone at the event. So awesome, you know, in a way crisis averted But still, I knew in my head that I dropped the ball. My heart in that moment wasn't owning up to the reality that I dropped the ball. But it was, okay, how can I present this in a way that it doesn't look like I dropped the ball? So in my embarrassment and in my frustration, I was texting one of the parents of a student that's there in the youth group. And I didn't want it to look like I dropped the ball. But again, in reality, I did drop the ball. And so I was just reacting from my own brokenness, my own embarrassment, my own frustration in myself. And I was kind of projecting that on this parent, one of my good friends. And so as I was talking with her, there started to be just kind of more of a tension. And and that was totally because of me. And so I called the person just because I was like, I started to see through the text messages that like, okay, okay, okay. I need to backtrack from this because I'm, I'm making it worse. So as I was on the phone with her, I just started to sense myself. I started to sense that I was starting to just kind of justify my actions. And I was just kind of like not really addressing the whole reality that I dropped the ball. And it's so funny because this person, she was literally saying like, Jonah, Jonah, like, it's okay. It's okay. If you drop the ball, like it's totally fine. Like we all do it, you know, like it's okay. You know, just going forward, we just want to make sure that we, we, we don't drop the ball in this way. And I'm I'm paraphrasing, but like, she was basically just saying like, Hey, it's okay. You can admit that you made a mistake. But still, I just I just still wanted to protect myself and protect, I guess, my quote unquote image. And so I was like, no, 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 I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I can tell that like she wasn't buying it. And I was just kind of getting even more frustrated with myself because I was like, man, why can't I just own up to this? And right before we get off the phone, she just kind of like let out a sigh. And I don't even know if she knew she did this, but she let out a sigh. She's like, all right, Jonah. All right. And so we get off the phone and immediately I'm just like, what in the world did I just do? Like, I was wrong. Like, I should have just owned up to it. You know, why did I have this knee-jerk reaction of trying to present myself or present the situation in a way that it really wasn't? At the end of the day, I dropped the ball. I made a mistake. Why did I play this stupid game of half owning up to what happened? 
And so I get off the phone. And what's ironic about all of this is that the conflict that I had, the reason why I couldn't attend this event was because I was leading a Bible study. And so here I am leading a Bible study, knowing in the back of my head, in the back of my heart that like, man, I totally just messed up. I totally just messed up. And I need to make things right. I need to make things right. And so I'm there and people are coming for the Bible study. And I just had that pit in my heart, in my head. So I kind of excused myself from the room. I'm like, hey, guys, we'll start in a little bit. But I just had to excuse myself because I knew that I needed to call the, the person back and make things right. I call and there's a ring and there's a ring and there's a ring there's a ring, and with each passing ring, I'm just thinking, oh no, oh no, man, I blew it, I blew it, I blew it, they don't want to talk anymore, I, 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 I botched this up, and so, of course, it goes to voicemail, and so it goes to voicemail, and my, my heart just sinks even more, because I'm like, dang it, you know, like, this, I shouldn't have done that, and so I leave a voicemail, and within the voicemail, I'm just like, hey, look, I messed up. Like, I apologize. Like, I totally was acting from my own brokenness, and I apologize. Like, yes, I did drop the ball, and yes, you were totally right, and I'm sorry, and going forward, I'll I'll do the best that I can to make sure that this doesn't happen again. But I share all that to say that that instance was a reminder to me that I am just as broken as everyone else and that the Lord is so patient and so kind to me in my weakness. We all are broken apart from Christ. We have a creator, savior, sustainer that is so patient, that is so kind with us. I feel like the Lord is purifying us by helping us see that it's through weakness that we realize his goodness. It's through our weakness that we realize his strength. It's through our weakness that we realize that we are not the center of the universe, that we don't have it all together. Each and every one of us have that knee-jerk reaction to put on a image, to put on a facade that we have it all together at different times of our life. There's this knee-jerk reaction within me, within us, to not show our weaknesses, to not talk about our weaknesses, to not let anyone know what maybe we're struggling with or what we're wrestling with or the mistakes that we've made because we want to appear as if we have it all together. We want for people to be able to not be discouraged or disappointed in us if they knew who we really were or what we really struggled with. But yet when I look through the scripture, I'm reminded of passages like 2 Corinthians 12, and I'm also reminded of the many moments where Jesus invited all of us to come to him with our heavy hearts, with our broken hearts, and that he can give us rest. I think about the moment on the cross where Jesus looked at us and in agony as he lifted himself up on these, these, these wounds and this ripped flesh from nails that were piercing his skin as he lifted up just to be able to speak as his lungs were suffocating. He, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I was thinking about this, this poem that I felt inspired to write on Good Friday of this year. And this poem, I feel like, is a picture, a snapshot, not only into my own heart, but into each and every one of our hearts. And 
I wanted to share this poem with you because I feel like it goes with this whole reality that we are weak. And when we come to the Lord with our weakness, we can experience more of his fullness. And this is what I wrote. This was April 2nd, 2021. What do you see when you look at me? I feel it depends on the day. Where at times I am close, embracing every whisper. At other times, I'm giving myself away. Lord, at a moment's time, I can flip like a gymnast. My heart does what it wants to do. I cannot understand my irrational behavior, and I struggle to truly understand you. On this Friday of all Fridays, I ask the question, Lord, why did you choose to die for me? Yet even as my lungs rise and fall, I recognize that your spirit helps me see. The intoxication of my sin is demoralizing. Intimacy is grown and destroyed untrust. And though I can't look to my love as the standard, Jesus, your wounds say enough. You see your son whom you dearly love. I remember on this day of writing this, I was just so overwhelmed by my own, again, brokenness, my own weakness, my own need for a savior. And those last two lines, Jesus, your wounds say enough. You see your son who you dearly love. In that moment, as I was writing that, I felt the Lord just kind of leading me away from focusing on my own weakness, my own brokenness, and instead focusing on him, that on the cross, he died for me. In that moment, there was this exchange that happened. We brought our weakness to his forgiveness. We brought our nothing, our death, our decay to his life, his abundance. And in that moment, no longer does God see sin when he sees us. No longer does he see our rebellion. No longer does he see our weakness. But instead, he sees his son when he looks at us. He sees Jesus. And so that last line of just saying that, Lord, you see your son who you dearly love, I was just reminded that, God, when you look at me, you don't just see that weakness, that brokenness. If anything, you see yourself and that you are faithful to complete the work that you have begun within me, as your scripture says. Through all that we're talking about of our weaknesses, our need for the Lord, and and this whole invitation to come to the Lord with every bit that we are, to not put on a facade, to not try to appear as if we have it all together. I'm reminded of Proverbs chapter 8, where the author of Proverbs is talking about wisdom. And within this, he personifies wisdom. And this is what the author says. He says this, Listen as wisdom calls out. Hear as understanding raises her voice. On the hilltop along the road, she takes her stand at the crossroads. By the gates of the entrance to the town on the roads leading in, she cries aloud, I call to you, to all of you. I raise my voice to all people. You simple people, use good judgment. You foolish people, show some understanding. Listen to me, for I have important things to tell you. Everything I say is right, for I speak the truth and detest every kind of deception. My advice is wholesome. There is nothing devious or crooked in it. My words are plain to anyone with understanding, clear to those with knowledge. Choose my instruction rather than silver and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with it. Verse 12, I, wisdom, live together with good judgment. I know where to discover knowledge and discernment. 
All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. Common sense and success belong to me. Insight and strength are mine. Because of me, kings reign and rulers make just decrees. Rulers lead with my help and nobles make righteous judgments. I love all who love me. Those who search will surely find me. I have riches and honor as well as enduring wealth and justice. My gifts are better than gold, even the purest gold. My wages better than sterling silver. I walk in righteousness and paths of justice. Those who love me will inherit wealth. I fill their treasuries. The Lord formed me from the beginning before he created anything else. I was appointed in ages past at the very first before the earth began. I was born before the oceans were created, before the springs bubbled forth their waters, before the mountains were formed, before the hills I was born, before he made the earth and the fields and the first handfuls of soil. I was there when he established the heavens, when he drew the horizon on the oceans. I was there when he sat the clouds above, when he established springs deep in the earth. I was there when he set the limits of the seas so that they would not spread beyond their boundaries. And when he marked off the earth's foundations, I was the architect at his side. I was his constant delight, rejoicing always in his presence. And how happy I was with the world he created, how I rejoiced with the human family. And so my children, listen to me, for all who follow my ways are joyful Listen to my instructions and be wise. Don't ignore it. Joyful are those who listen to me, watching for me daily at my gates, waiting for me outside my home. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But those who miss me injure themselves. All who hate me love death. Wisdom has built her house. She has carved its seven columns. She has prepared a great banquet mixed with the wines and a set table. She has set her servants to invite everyone to come. She calls out from the heights overlooking the city. Come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, come eat my food, drink the wine I mixed. Leave your simple ways behind and begin to live. Learn to use good judgment. Anyone who rebukes a mocker will get an insult in return. Anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. So don't bother correcting mockers. They will only hate you. But correct the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. This is Proverbs chapter 9 now, verse 10. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of all wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. The woman named Folly is brash. She is ignorant and doesn't know it. She sits in her doorway on the heights overlooking the city. She calls out to the men going by who are minding their own business. Come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, Stolen water is refreshing. Food eaten a secret tastes the best. But little do they know that the dead are there. Her guests are in the depths of the grave. 
In both chapters 8 of Proverbs and chapter 9, you see a personification of wisdom and a personification of ignorance or folly. Within wisdom, you see that she calls out to anyone that is willing to listen. She extends her invitation to every single person, even those that are simple-minded, and she offers to fill them in the ways that they lack. All that it takes is a response to the invitation in order for them to receive what the scripture talks about as joy and life. I think about verse 34 in chapter 8 where it says this, Joyful are the ones that listen to me, watching for me daily at the gates, waiting for me outside my home. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. So we know that when we go to the Lord for the source of our wisdom, that we will find joy and find life. But the moments that we rely on ourselves for wisdom, we will rely on folly, death, and destruction. The author is saying that wisdom is etched into everything that our creator, savior, sustainer has done will do, or is doing. And so when we lean into the Lord, seeking his wisdom through our different situations and circumstances and chaos, then we will be able to truly have an abundance to life and a joy that truly surpasses anything this world can offer. In the moment when I was talking to my friend and I was putting on a facade that I had it all together, In that moment, I wasn't subscribing to wisdom. I was subscribing to my own flesh, my own weakness, my own sin. In that moment, what would have been wise would have been for me to humble myself and to accept the reality that everything that she is telling me, my friend is telling me, is true. And to own up to it, to take responsibility to it, to learn from it, to be able to say, you know what? Yeah. I, you know, I, I've messed up today, but tomorrow's a new day and, and we'll, we'll, we'll make it better. I'll make it better. Currently, I'm enrolled in a clinical mental health master's program. And this is such an awesome opportunity. I get to sit down at the feet of just awesome professors that have been through so many crazy situations within counseling, within mental health. And one of my professors earlier today, as of recording this podcast, one of my professors had the opportunity to to work within a prison in Detroit. And he was just sharing in class all of the different like horrors that he has seen. And I asked my professor, I just said, you know, how do you deal with that? You know, with everything that you've seen, how do you deal with it? How does it not mess you up when you go home at night and you look at your wife or you look at your kids? How does that stuff not mess you up? And there's something that he said that I wrote down and it goes along with this whole idea of what we're talking about, of the Lord meeting us in the midst of our mess and our weakness and our brokenness. And he said this, There is a wide range of human behavior. This is the field. He's talking about this is the field that we are in. And then he says this, the good news is only good news if you understand the horror story. The good news is only good news if you understand the horror story. And the horror story that my professor was referring to was the whole wide range of human behavior that we are capable of some immense brokenness. (laughs) There is hell on earth 
that comes through our own actions, our own behavior. And what he was saying is saying that like as he sees all of this brokenness, it highlights even more the good news of Jesus. It highlights even more the good news of Jesus. And heavy heart, no matter what brings you here today, no matter what you've done, no matter what you were doing, no matter what you are going through, may we remember that it's in our weakness that we realize that the good news of Jesus is truly good. We go beyond taking it for granted. We go beyond just settling for this shallow relationship and intimacy with our creator, savior, sustainer. But instead, we just go head first saying, Lord, I am yours. Lord, I am not the center of the universe. I am not the center of this life that you've given me. But if anything, Lord, you are And Lord, may my life point to you. God, may I not hide my weaknesses. Lord, there is a broken and dying world. And instead of them feeling like they have to do this alone, Lord, may they see that they are not alone, that we are all little kids trying to figure this out. Like Paul said that we read at the beginning, that when he realizes he is weak, It's an opportunity, not only for him to realize that the Lord is strong, but for others to see the strength of God working through him, the grace of God that is sufficient in Paul's weakness. We are guaranteed at the end of the day that the Lord will complete the good work that he has begun within us. No matter where we go, no matter what we go through, We know that our God is purifying each and every one of us. What I didn't share about that personal story of my own weakness last week is that my friend, after she heard the voicemail, she reached back out to me and she said, thank you. Thank you for apologizing. Thank you for owning up to this. And she shared with me how that she recognizes her own tendency to do the very same thing. And it was just this cool moment of just humanity. Like, it wasn't just this, well, you wronged me and, and oh, you know, all, all this games that we play as people. But there was just this, this even field under Jesus that, that she was just saying that, look, like, I have a tendency to do the very same thing. And the fact that you owned up to it shows a lot more about you than, than anything that you've done. And it was just this cool opportunity for us to both just recognize that the Lord is greater than any of the things that we can do. Through Christ, we were able to look at not only my weakness, but look at all of our weaknesses under the perspective of Jesus. And there was a humility and a grace present within the conversation that does not exist apart from Jesus. This world is so just broken and messed up that when you mess up, you are done. You are canceled. You are, you are finished. But that is not the way that it works in the kingdom of God. We have a creator, savior, sustainer that looks at our offenses and sees himself that his love, the, the heights, the depths, the, 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 as far as the east is from the west, our sins are cast to never be seen again. The love of God is so much greater than any of our offenses. And may we see one another through the same lens of the same God that has forgiven and loved us much. It's interesting because Sunday, as we were sitting there together, 
as a local congregation of people that are gathering saying, Lord, we need you. I found myself sitting next to my friend and we were worshiping side by side next to each other. I was just thinking that God, we are here together seeking after you. And God, I'm so thankful that there isn't any hostility between me and another person, <laughs> literally, that is right next to me because of my own mistakes. Lord, thank you that you provide us an opportunity to make things right. Thank you so much for your love, your grace, your forgiveness, your mercy. And if anything, through everything that has happened, if anything, it just highlighted my worship. It highlighted my worship because I was just saying, God, thank you. You were so much bigger than my mistakes. You are so much greater than all of our weaknesses. And at the end of the day, we have an enemy that wants to still kill and destroy. And one of the ways that he still kills and destroys is through our pride, through our arrogance, through our pomp, through us putting on this aroma that we have it all figured out when we know that we don't. When we put on this, this, this whole, you know, mask saying that we are, we are better than others when in reality we're not. May we not allow the enemy to still kill and destroy by failing to acknowledge that we are, we are not, we are not the hero, but Jesus is. I know the enemy wanted to still kill and destroy the relationship between me and my friend. And not only just me and my friend, but me and the body of Christ, his church. But I'm so thankful that the Lord leads us in wisdom and helps us do the things that we can't do on our own through the power of the Holy Spirit, his spirit that is at work within us. So heavy heart, no matter what you have done, no matter where today finds you, today is not too late to make things right, to humble yourself, not only first and foremost to your creator, savior, sustainer, to our creator, savior, sustainer, to humble ourselves, to admit that we are sinners in need of a savior, to accept his love and forgiveness and his mercy and his grace that is sufficient for us in our weakness, to admit <laughs> that he is the I am and we are not. Not only do we have an opportunity today to humble ourselves in that way, but to humble ourselves with one another, to not let the enemy get a foothold in our relationships, that may others see Christ at work within us by the way that we humble ourselves and lead through humility and through admitting that, look, I'm sorry, asking for forgiveness, making things right. We can't have an intimate relationship with Jesus if we're failing to make things right with the relationships around us. Now, we can't control the way that other people react to us. We can't, but we can control the way that we humble ourselves. We can control the ways that we make things right. We are all God's children. We are all God's children. And when we realize that we have been forgiven and loved of much, we can forgive and love others even greater. Lord God, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you are wisdom calling out to us. And your word says in Proverbs chapter nine, verse 10, that fear, that awe of reverence of you and your holiness, your, your mightiness, your, your, your just greatness, Lord, that awe and fear of you is the beginning of wisdom. So Lord, we can't truly live out wisdom unless 
we come to you on your terms and see you for who you are and accept you for who you are. Jesus, thank you so much that you give us a picture. You give us a picture of the Father's heart. Lord, we look to you. We need you. God, help us extend grace, love, forgiveness, mercy upon those around us, knowing that you have given that to us so, so, so freely, Lord. Lord, you give it to us so freely. Help us be able to love as you have loved us. And Lord, may we not be afraid to be honest about our weakness in a world that is so just focused on hiding and minimalizing and just putting a mask on the parts that are ugly. Lord, you love, you love us. You love us warts and all. And you are faithful to do a work of redemption within our lives. May we surrender and look to you today. It's in your name we pray and we surrender, Jesus. Amen. 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 I wanted to end today's podcast with a song by Dante Bo. And the name of the song is All God's Children. And I feel like this just wraps up everything that we have talked about today, that we are all God's children. We are all messy and broken in our own ways, but we have a faithful father that could do a work and wonder within our hearts. But it comes with us just being honest with who we are and embracing all that he is. May our weakness point towards our strength. And that's Jesus. I'm praying that my mama don't ever fall off the deep end. Praying that when she hears this song, she finds a healing. For my cousin Dominique Bahamba is as a felon. I'm praying that she hears this too. Shout out to my grandma's Sunday school classes and her reading glasses. Wishing I was rich and famous and I can buy her houses. She lost my grandpa for this year. Yeah. Man, I know that was hard, but at least he lived a good life. Yeah. Oh, glory to God. Yahweh, sing his praise till the walls fall down. And if the walls don't fall down, sing his praise anyhow. You know my daddy was a gangster. God turned it around. Now my daddy is a gangster with a rope and a crown. Hey, we're all God's children. We all need resurrection. A little taste of heaven. You set us free. Hey, we're all created to be a little complicated. Ain't nobody perfect. You set us free. Set us free. Well, my brother told me he was a believer. I can see it in the future Prophesy till it happens Giving up is not an option My uncle Jeff still drinks until he falls on his face But God hand is not short and it's not too late Pray for the pastors Pray for the sinners Daughters and believers Everything in between If we struggle, let's struggle But look out for each other We don't know what we go through we know it. Hey, we're all God's children We all need resurrection
them cause it's worth it Tell the person that you love, that you love them Follow the dreams that somehow you laid aside Be yourself walking all the way into the light Before they're dead and they're gone, give them roses Cause there's a gift in every day and every moment The only way that I know to redeem the time Is make the best of the present here and now Make the best of the present here and now 